0: It's a depth chart, part two time. Uh, only talk about the starters here after the spring game with the occasional number two in this one. Then we'll wrap up with a guest spot from Ryan Finkelstein of Locked On Mets to talk Pete Alonso. only here on Locked On Gators.
1: You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of Lockdown Gators, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. Happy Monday. I'm Brandon Olson. Twitter is WNS underscore Brandon. Written workers with Hold On Sports. Just going to ask you like, subscribe, wherever you're listening. Leave a comment, leave a review. Let me know what you think of this show. Let me know how I can make it better. We're talking about the depth chart, and it's not too deep this time. I know last time I did it too deep, but this time, no. Uh, Right now, we're just looking at starters following the spring game. We're going to break it down into offense and then defense. I'll sometimes mention the backup here, but uh, looking at quarterback, starting off with the obvious one, Anthony Richardson, quarterback one. What a phenomenal performance from him in that spring game. And I've said before, like, like I, I think that he's improved with his accuracy in terms of getting the ball to his receivers, but he can really continue to work on that placement because there was, um, that slant to Justin Shorter where he had to catch it from behind him. And it's like, you don't want your receiver to have to lean backwards to catch a ball from you. You want to catch it in front of you or kind of at the chest. So Anthony Richardson, he could still improve, but he easily solidified himself as QB one for me. And Jack Miller, the third easily solidified himself as QB two. Jalen Kitna did not get to show anything in that game. And Carlos de Rio Wilson just, uh, he didn't do anything impressive. You know, I, I get it. He, he evaded the pocket well, and even I said that. He, he evaded pressure well, uh, navigated the pocket, but he didn't really know what to do after that, which is a big question mark for me. So Jack Miller the third, easily QB2. And like I've said before, I don't really fault him for not being able to get the second-team offense going. Uh, this this second-team defense is way better than the second-team offense is, so that's, it's very difficult to get going. Uh, looking at running back, Lorenzo Lingard kind of solidified himself as a back that will contribute quite a bit on the ground and in the air. Uh, Montrell Johnson is another one of those backs. But another back that kind of contributed in a way that I'm, I'm interested to see because I've been talking about Naquan Wright as this running back that could be switching out to receiver every now and then. That was DeMarcus Bowman in the spring game. He he was the running back that would move out wide and go in motion and, and be legitimately as a wide receiver, and whether he was going deep, or a screen, or a curl, whatever it was, Demarcus Bowman was was that running back slash wide receiver role, which is which is good to see, because we, we knew that we would have that at some point, somewhere along this offense. So it's good to see kind of that Demarcus Bowman is the player that kind of took over that role. Looking at receiver, I've listed four receivers here as the top four receivers. They're the four that were... Not necessarily the most impressive, but the guys that I think will be the starters, three of them were already penciled in. The fourth one was kind of penciled in, but Justin Shorter and Xavier Henderson on the outside, pretty easy, uh, pretty obvious. I think they've been the answer the entire time. Trent Whittemore on the slot, pretty easy, pretty obvious the entire time. They're still running those bubbles in Florida, so that's still something that Trent is going to kill at. But then the fourth receiver to talk about. Because we, we talked about Deshaun Reynolds, we talked about Marcus Burke, we've talked about Finley Graham Jr. But Jaquavion Frazier's kind of solidified himself as wide receiver four for me in that spring game because I, I get that Jalen Kimber was on him a lot and, and kind of tightly contesting him a lot. But Jaquavion Frazier's did everything possible to make a play on the ball once it went in the air. And more often than not, he won that 50-50 ball. And I think when you have a quarterback like Anthony Richardson, who is going to want to push the ball downfield, he's going to want to kind of push the envelope a little bit, and you have a receiver like Jaquavion Frazier who can make that play for your, for your quarterback, I think you have to get him on the field in some way. So I think Justin Shorter, Xavier Henderson, Trent Whittemore, and Jaquabian Frazier are the... Easy top four with Dejon Reynolds being the number five. He still had a good day on on a Thursday night for the spring practice. I'm used to saying Saturday. He still had a good day on Thursday night for the spring game, but it just wasn't as impressive as Jaquavion Frazier's consistently making catches in contested coverage. I would like to see Frazier's be able to kind of create separation more because again, during games last season, we pretty much saw him kind of just step on the field catch a screen pass, and run from that point. We didn't see him really work his way open. That's something I'd like to see from him. Looking at tight end, we've got Dante Zanders and Keon Zipper as a starting two. Dante Zanders started for the blue team, which was thought of as the first-team offense. Keon Zipper started for the orange team, which was thought of as a, as a second-team offense. And I think that, you know, in, in an offense where... We're going to see a lot of 12 personnel, a lot of two tight end sets. You need two starting tight ends. And Dante Sanders has, has, I mean, he was sensational in that spring game as a pass catching tight end. I I said it, I think I even tweeted it during the game where I was like, look, he's done a lot in the air, but his blocking was not great. Uh, Keon Zipper, much better. I think we'll see Keon Zipper be the inline tight end, which... I mean, even as an inline tight end, Keon Zipper would be a mismatch nightmare, so that's important. But also, uh, I think we see Dante Sanders as as that move tight end a little bit. So that's something to keep an eye on. Dante Sanders being the move tight end, not being asked to block as much, Keon Zipper being in line. I think this is kind of an instance of just getting your best players on the field. You know, Hayden Hansen's a freshman, uh, Jonathan Odin's recovering from injury, hate uh um, Arles Boardingham is a freshman. Tony Livingston's a freshman. So Dante Sanders and, and Kean Zipper are kind of let you get your best players on the field at the same time. And look at the offensive line. We've got Richard Garage, Ethan White, Kingsley Aguakun, Osiris Torrance, and Michael Tarquin. I know that Osiris Torrance wasn't with the starting offensive line, but I, I think by the time the season comes around, he's just too good to keep on the bench it, it, it's kind of like anthony richardson last year where people are like oh like take amory jones out anthony richardson is just too good to have on your bench i think osiris torrance is kind of that same way I, th- I think he's a legitimate all sec talent so figure out a way to get him on the field it's it's really as simple as that i get there's josh braun as a guard that you want to get on the field but osiris torrance is just so consistently good that I think you have to figure out a way to get him on the field. We're going to talk about the defensive side of the ball, but first to talk to you guys about Built Bar because it's spring, t- it's spring break time. My vacation is just about two months away, and I need to get in shape. And the way I'm doing that is by eating Built Bar. I've got a sweet tooth. Built Bar helps that because it is coated in 100% chocolate. Most bars have 130 calories and just four net carbs, along with 17 grams of protein. You can throw out the hidden stashes, whatever candy you've got hidden, Wherever you've got it hidden, you can just go with Built Bar. You don't got to feel bad. You don't got to feel guilty. And Built Bar is always, always coming out with new flavors, new limited-time flavors, so you'll never get bored. Use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off of your next order with Built or builtbar.com. Thanks again for making Locked Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcast. We're gonna talk about the defensive side of the ball now. I'm starting off with Edge because I think those are the easiest points to hit here. Um on the edge, you've got Brenton Cox Jr. and Princely Uman Mialin as the starters. Brenton Cox Jr., I mean, he was he was written in with Sharpie before spring practice even started, where it was abundantly clear that Brenton Cox Jr. was going to be starting. Princely Uman Mialin someone where we were like, hey, he could be playing that Zachary Carter role. I said it myself; he could be playing DND tackle. He was on the show a couple weeks ago. He's listed as two hundred sixty pounds. I can tell you guys, at the time that I had him on the show, he's listed; he was weighed in at two hundred and thirty-seven pounds. Regardless of what he was listed at, two hundred and thirty-seven pounds is what he weighed. So, bit light to play that DND tackle role, but he's still been that field side defensive end for the Florida Gators and. I mean, as multi-talented as I think Chief Borders is, I don't see a way in which Prince William and Malene is not the starting edge. I think Chief Borders and Lloyd Summerall are backing him up. Like I said, we'll talk about the occasional number twos here. This is one of, the, the, one of those instances where I think we see a lot of rotation. So Lloyd Summerall, Chief Borders will be the, the ends or the edge rushers. Uh, three and four that we're talking about in this defense. The interior defensive line, Javon Dexter and Desmond Watson are the guys here. I know Jalen Humphreys, Jalen Lee, you know, you guys can play well, but I think the coaching staff really believes in Desmond Watson. And I've said, I don't think he's done enough or proven enough for me to be like, he's the guy, but I'm trying to go a little bit more predictive here. Javon Dexter is the very easy answer. He's an elite interior rusher, so that's not surprising at all. Desmond Watson eats up a ton of space. He, he snacks Harrison at this point. He, he doesn't get a ton of push. He doesn't make a ton of plays in the passing game, but he is going to eat up those blocks like, like, like it was French Toast Friday or something like that. He's going to eat up those blocks. So Desmond Watson is going to be that nose tackle, I think, over the middle of the field. Then looking behind them, the off-ball linebackers Ventra Muller and Dewan Black. I don't want to hear about Amari Bernie here because right now, my understanding is that he is injured I don't know for how long but for the time being we're going to look at Dewan Black as that guy because first of all Ventrell Miller is the guy is the linebacker one we know that he's LB1 he's been LB1 for the Florida Gators he will continue to be LB1 regardless of what you think about his talent or his ability in coverage Ventrell Miller offers way too much to this defense as that signal caller and as that uh as that veteran leader in the locker room to put on the bench, or an veteran leader on the field to put on the bench. So, Venture Miller, LB1. E- easy there. Dewan Black is LB2 for me, because I think, one, he had a great spring game. He showed a ton of ability. Even when he wasn't, because look, he, he's a lighter dude. It's, hard, it's a little bit hard for him to get off blocks. But, he was flying to the ball carrier, regardless of blocks in the way, flying to the ball carrier. And he made at least one Phenomenal play in coverage where Jack Miller was rolling to his right, kind of, uh, c- kind of, kind of panicked a little bit and kind of forced the ball out. And one Black almost had a diving interception. And that is that is a stellar play that you don't see many linebackers make. Like, like that is a play that that Mac Wilson made with Alabama or Dylan Moses pre-injury. And to be fair, I've been. Mean, I was incredibly high on both of those guys, and I will continue to be high on DeJuan Black as well because he's that same mold of that, that phenomenal coverage linebacker, that freak athlete. DeWan Black, I think, has the potential to be even better. Um, and then looking at cornerback, Jason Marshall Jr. and Avery Helm. Um, I, I I know that you guys don't like Avery Helm that much. I know that a lot of you guys, um, a lot of you guys want Jalen Kimber to be the guy. The reason I don't have him here. Is because of how good of a game JaQuavion Frazier's had against him, um, and I get it. You know, you know Jalen Camber. He kept tight coverage. He did, but tight coverage means nothing if the guy's still catching the ball on you, and that was still happening consistently against Jalen Camber with JaQuavion Frazier's. And I don't know if you want to take that as a knock on Jalen Camber or praising JaQuavion Frazier's. But that it is what it is at that point, where the opportunity that Jalen Kimber got, I don't want to say he got dogged, but Jaquavian Frazier consistently made catches right over his head. So I have a difficult time saying that I want that guy to be my starter. So I'm going with Jason Marshall Jr., who's proven in consistently that he could be that guy, and Avery Holm, who is the player that I've been saying the whole time has been my guy as my corner too. And I haven't seen anybody... Do well enough to dethrone him. So, why, like, why change from what you think is a good option for nothing, like, like for no proven opportunity? Just, just play the guy that you know will perform at a high level. Jalen Kibber, I know you guys love, but look, I again, I'll say it one more time. He played phenomenal coverage, but it doesn't matter if the guy keeps catching the ball over your head. Jalen Kibber has to, has to. Has to, has to, has to do a better job of turning his head around and making a play on the ball there, because he just way too often got got caught on right there, and it was was just horrible play. Safety Rashad Torrance the second and trading the third. Nothing has changed here. Donovan McMillan has stepped up. I know I mentioned him as like a as like a safety, uh, safety four, I believe it was that I had him in the last time. Uh, but no, he's, he's safety three. He solidified himself there for me. He, he had a phenomenal spring game. He had the interception and triple coverage, which is why I'm not like, oh my God, elite ball hawk. But I will say that that was, he found himself in good position consistently and he kept getting himself in good position, not allowing big plays, not allowing deep plays. So Donovan McMillan has solidified himself as safety three for me. But Rashad Torrance, the second and trading the third continue to be that duo that it's just, like I've said it before and I'll say it again. I think if they're not the best, they're a top three safety duo in college football right now. And I don't care how you feel about uh, trading, tackling or whatever you want to talk about. I I don't care how you feel about that. Uh, I think that they are an insanely versatile duo. I think they do a lot for this defense. They're a heavily, heavily relied upon duo. And Rashad Torrance, the second, all American talent training the third all sec talent i'll say so i think if you have an all american and an all conference guy you have a strong case for best safety duo in college football especially when your all conference guy is playing the sec i think it's very easy to go well maybe they've got it there and uh, then we're going to look at Star, which is Trevez Johnson, the safety corner hybrid spot. Trevez Johnson had that role last year. I know a lot of people were like, oh, it should be Jadarius Perkins. Trevez Johnson is a liability. He seems improved to me. Like, I, I think he had a solid spring game. I'm going to watch a couple more times before nailing things home. But right now, I'm leaning towards Trevez Johnson to be a star. Jadarius Perkins is someone that I really like as well. But I, I think Trevez Johnson's experience and run defense is really what sets him apart here, and I get it. He's a DB. You don't care that much about run defense all the time. But when you're playing star, you got to be a safety at corner or a safety at nickel, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and that's Travis Johnson. So I'm, I'm going to give him the credit there, and I'm, and I'm going to give it to him, and I'm going to give him the starting spot for me. Now we're about to be joined by Ryan Ficklesine of Locked on Mets to talk about Pete Alonso, Florida Gators legend. First, I'm to tell you guys about Bet Online because March Madness is over The MLB is here. NBA playoffs are here. The NHL is still going on. The NFL draft is here, and you can bet on all that with betonline.net. It's your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information. I've been using BetOnline for years now, and I couldn't be happier. It's just got so much, not just basketball or football, heck, not even sports. It's got politics, reality TV, award shows, whatever you want, just so much. Head to the website or use your mobile device today to learn all about the trends and action with Bet Online. So check out Bet Online. It's where the game starts. All right, we're here with a little bit of locked on crossover action. I am Brandon Olson from Lockdown Gators joined by Ryan Finkelstein from Locked On Mets. How you doing, Ryan? Doing great. Big Mets win today. So feeling pretty good. <laughs> It's a beautiful day when the Mets win, which is, which is great because we've started off the year with that. Uh, I'm very excited to do this. My listeners know by now I'm a Mets fan. I, I love Pete Alonzo. Uh, and that's what we get to talk about. That That is awesome. Former Florida Gator, Pete Alonzo, who, when he was coming out of the draft, I remember talking to people about him and just saying, I love him so much because he's just so much raw power in there. And, so many, so many of my friends were like, "Shut up! Um, you just like him because he's a gator." And then he got drafted by the Mets, and people were all of a sudden, "Oh my god, we love him!" Uh, and, and now he, he's a fan favorite. You know, he's he's our polar bear. He's everything. Uh, for you, what are the expectations for Pete for the remainder of the season? At this point, we're—I mean, I know we're we're what nine games in now, so it's
1: nothing. But what are what are your expectations for the
0: remainder of the season for him?
1: Well, so today he hit the two-run homer. He now leads the National League with 14 RBIs. And, you know, he's on pace for 227 RBIs on the season. So uh, I think that's (laughs) going to happen. When it comes to Pete Alonso, what I said coming into this year is this is the perfect situation for Pete Alonso to really establish himself as one of the game's best sliders. You know, he was already there, but... He's now in this lineup that added a lot of guys that get on base in front of him, And so he's able to pick up all these RBIs. There was a game the other day where he had two RBIs in the first like four innings on sacrifice flies. That's just something that didn't happen last year because the team was so bad around him. So now that the Mets are good around him, the lineup is so much better. He has a chance to lead the league in RBIs. He could lead the league in home runs. And he also has a chance to be an MVP candidate this year. I'm not sure if that will happen because there's other guys in the league that do it all. They do it on defense. They're five tool players that, you know, they steal bases, but what Pete Alonso could do is he could have a Ryan Howard type season from 2006. Ryan Howard had, I want to say 58 home runs and 150 some odd RBIs. I wouldn't be shocked if Pete Alonso had one of those seasons based on the team that's around him. And the fact that the Mets are going to be really competitive that could put him in to those types of conversations.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's the biggest thing when you talk about Pete from last year, Pete, to this year, as you mentioned, the, the game, I believe it was Thursday or Friday with the, the two-sack the two fly I think RB- it was Friday, actually, yeah. And and Gary, Keith, and Ron were talking about it, and for the Lockdown Gators listeners that don't know, uh, those are the Mets broadcasters up here when we, when we watch SNY. Uh, and, and they were saying, you know, th- that no Met has ever had three sack fly RBIs in a game. And it's like, well, Pete, at this point this season, could very well be that guy. But uh, he, he's, off to, he's got three home runs so far in, in this first, first week and a half or two weeks of the season. And, and he's someone who's going to be relied upon heavily, of course, to, to drive in the runs for this offense. But uh, can you talk a little bit more about what the difference is from last year's lineup and last year's approach with more sack bunts this year and just all that to how that will help Pete's production?
1: Well, I think the perfect uh, you know player that you can talk about that's going to impact Pete is Starling Marte, the big uh, position player they added in free agency. This guy has so much speed, so you have instances now where he can steal second, he can steal third. That's just going to put more runners in scoring position for Pete Alonso. Uh, you know, having even if Brandon Nimmo gets hurt, now you have a Starling Marte out there. You have Mark Can, another addition they made this offseason, who through the first like five games was getting on base like an eight hundred clip. It was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, he slowed down a little bit. Uh, actually, both him and Nimmo have COVID right now. But th- again, it's a team that is so much better. And they also, I-, I think, if you just look at the Mets right now with Buck Showalter as the manager and all these veteran players, it, it just seems like there's there's less distractions as there were in years past. And this team is really motivated to make a lot of noise this season. And I think. With the Braves coming off a World Series, if there's a little bit of a World Series hangover right now, they're waiting on Ronald Acuna Jr. to get back. This team, in my opinion, is head and shoulders the best in the division right now. And if they can build up an early lead, it's going to be a really special season for the Mets and a special season for Pete.
0: Now, there's something I want to ask you about a little bit because uh, I am admittedly horrible when it comes to MLB contracts and all that, because that I know arbitration throws me off forever. And I'm more of a football guy to begin with. That's 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 well known from my listeners that I'm more of an NFL player or NFL uh, fan here. But how important is it for the Mets to have Pete? I believe he's under contract or under club control until 2025. Just I know we're talking way in the future here, but how important is that for the team to be able to maintain him? I know, I know Stevie likes to spend his money now, but just yeah. have for that team control.
1: Well, so I actually wrote an article about this uh, for Just Baseball over the offseason, and I also did a podcast on it where I was talking about Pete Alonso, and this was the perfect time to give him a contract extension. If you look at players in the plat- in the past, like Freddie Freeman and Joey Votto, they got extensions at a similar time in their career. This would be the time where the Mets have control over Pete to try to get an extension that would be a little bit more team-friendly, but also an extension that would, would probably pay Pete north of maybe $200 million. And, you know, the way that he has looked at this stage in his career, I don't think there really is any questions uh, about what Pete Alonzo can do. I mean, I think the only thing you might question is his defensive first base. I'm a pretty strong advocate that he is still a good defensive first baseman. But When it comes to, to hitting and potentially even being a DH, like if Pete's in the lineup, he's going to be hitting home runs. I, I, there's just no doubt about it. The guy's power is insane. So I think that that could be something that happens next offseason. There could be extension talks. Um, But the Mets also have to worry about Jacob deGrom as as another player that needs extension. I think the bottom line is with Steve Cohen. You don't worry as much about the homegrown (laughs) players leaving as you did in years past. Yeah, um, you
0: mentioned Jacob deGrom. And I will say, uh, I I know Noah was kind of a player that a lot of fans were uh, iffy on. Towards the end, uh, broke my heart that he left the Mets. He was just yeah. one of my favorite Mets around. Um, but then looking at Pete as a, you know, you mentioned a slugger. A lot of people say that he's not a great defensive first baseman. I think he does a fine job. You know, he he's had to field some um, roughly thrown balls this, this season so far. But what do you think the universal DH does for a guy like Pete where people say, He's not a great defensive first baseman, but this allows him to kind of get in the more in the lineup more often.
1: Well, it's interesting because this year his numbers have all come as a DH. He's, he started three games now at uh, DH and the rest at first. And it's those games at DH where he has hit his home runs. So I don't know what to take from that. Um, I think it is good because it allows Pete Alonso to be an everyday player, but not get so worn down. So, the way things have shaped up so far, he might get a starter to a DH, but they want to keep him at first base because this is a team that has other players that like they have a catching prospect Francisco Alvarez, who is unbelievable. Like there, you want to be able to have a DH open for him to get some time there. They have another prospect, Mark Vientos, um, another Florida kid, but uh he got drafted out of high school and they want him to be able to potentially have some DH at bat. So what Pete Alonso has done is he has, really disproved that notion when he was a prospect that he couldn't play first base. He's done an incredible job. Pete Alonso has an amazing work ethic. It doesn't always look pretty, and that's where the polar bear nickname is so fitting because Pete really doesn't do anything pretty on a baseball field, but he plays so hard and he's so locked in that he's turned himself into a really good defensive first baseman. Last year, there was a point where Pete Alonzo was second in outs above average, which is a defensive metric that we use to really grade outfielders it didn't hold up by the end of the year he went down a little bit but it just showed you that it was july and he was one of the best defensive first basemen in baseball coming from a place when he first debuted where the thought was he couldn't play the position at all yeah i mean like i i very i've made it very openly clear i i
0: love pete alonzo and i love i love talking pete that's why we that's why we had the link up you know I, yeah. I came right into the dms and i was like hey can we just talk about how we love pete and that's exactly that's awesome. what happened uh so th- thank you ryan uh we'll be sure to connect again i'm sure at some point with pete and gators prospects and it- it's going to be a fun season for us mets fans
1: yeah let's talk again when pete wins that mvp this year how about that
0: i, I cannot wait <laughs> I cannot. <laughs> mvp and i need him to lead the league in home runs you know that yeah yeah you got you got to get that uh that, that little bet there Thanks again for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free reviews to the podcast. We'll be back tomorrow with more on your Florida Gators. Now make your second listen Lockdown NFL draft. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. For Lockdown Gators, I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. You can find all of my written work with Whole Nine Sports. That is W-H-O-L-E. And I, any sports, and I will see you all tomorrow.